Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Boiling Springs Baptist Church. We are glad that you are here with us this morning for worship. These beautiful flowers that are placed in our sanctuary this morning um, are placed in loving loving memory of Lisa Dawn Beeson, uh, who would have celebrated her 50th birthday today on March 31st. Uh, These flowers were given by her parents, Ed and Sybil Beeson. Ed and Sybil, we continue to love and pray for you in these times and always um, as a church family. We are very glad that you have chosen to worship with us at Boiling Springs Baptist this morning. May we now prepare our hearts for worship. If you will uh, turn your attention to the slides, we'll join together in singing our congregational call to worship and uh, theme of the Lenten season, Jesus Messiah. may be seated. You are welcome here. No matter where you have been, no matter what you have done, you are welcomed in love and in grace. May you find rest and renewal. May you find hope and peace. This is what God offers to each of us. Would you join me this morning in your bulletin, you will find a responsive reading as a call to worship. I will read the non-bolded print, and you're invited to respond in what is in bold. To those who eagerly came to worship God, 
to those who grumbled about coming. To those who are not sure why they are here. In the name of the one who loves and forgives us, you are welcome in this place. Thanks be to God. Our hymn of praise this morning is hymn number 281, Love Divine, All Love's Excelling. 281, if you are able, please stand and join in singing. Thank you for reading your order of service. This is the time when we accept your offering for the North American missions. So if you would, haven't come forward already, you have three more stanzas to do so. Please join me with the second stanza.
invite the children to come forward for lesson on the steps. I have a question for you guys this morning. Do you know what this is, Georgia? A candle. A candle. But can you tell me something else about it? What does it look like? It looks like a candle, but ever heard of Aladdin? Yeah. And what did Aladdin do with that? When you rub it, a genie comes out. When you rub it, a genie comes out. And what do you do when the genie comes out? You get three. You get three wishes. Well, our story today is about a young boy, or a man actually, and he made three wishes. He wished for money, he wished to travel and go all around the world, but he wished to be his own man. You ever just want to not get tired of mama telling you what to do? No, don't answer that. <laughs> don't answer that. <laughs> well, he made those three wishes and his dad granted them. He said, here's all your money that you deserve. Go out into the world and decide what you want to do. But you know what, once he did that, Life sort of went bad. He didn't have any more money left. Didn't have any food. Didn't have any friends. So you know what he did? He went back home and his dad forgave him. And he welcomed him and he hugged him. What would you do? What do you think your mom or dad would do if you disappeared and stayed gone for a little while and then all of a sudden, would they not be glad to see you? No? Oh, I bet they would. I bet Nana would hug you so tight it'd make you squeeze. But that's what this father did. This father welcomed his son home with opened arms. Your daddy would. I bet he would too. I bet your mama would too. But he needed to come home. And you know what? That's what God does to us. But when we do something bad... And we don't make, wait just one second, when we don't do exactly what we think we need to do, God says, you come home and I will welcome you and I will love you and I will forgive you for all your sins and for everything you did wrong. Can we remember that? God loves us all the time, doesn't he? Even when we don't do exactly what mom and dad want us to do. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we all make mistakes. We all sometimes want to do what maybe we shouldn't do. But we know, Lord, that when we ask you to forgive us and when you ask us to love you and care for us, you do that, Lord. You wrap your arms around us so tight. You welcome us home. You forgive us and you allow us to be your children always. We thank you, Lord, for the beginning of a beautiful day and that we are allowed to worship in your house. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let me say good morning once again. Thank you, Ellen, for your good children's sermons each week. And uh, if you are a guest today, let me just say that I'll be in the vestibule following the service and would welcome an opportunity to meet you. Uh, I recognize we have a few here this morning. 
let's continue to be in prayer for the, uh, Kenan, the family of Kenan Little. Many of you recognize that name. The story has been in the news recently in regards to the, um, to the river. And yesterday was a good day, but also still a very difficult day for the family. And so let's be in prayer for that family uh, as a community of faith. And uh, let's be in prayer for Georgia Klein. Georgia fell Thursday night and has spent now a couple nights in the hospital and uh, nothing major uh, was broken or anything, but she's very bruised and just very much in need of our love and prayers at this time. And then Bob and Rose Blackburn, who aren't with us now uh, due to some health concerns. And so we pray for them and for God's uh, presence and strength in their lives. Let's also remember our choir as they uh, prepare and finalize for their uh, cantata next Sunday and encourage you not only to be here, but to bring someone with you and just be a wonderful time of celebration. Uh, As we move closer to Easter, also a great time to invite others to church. Uh, Research tells us that more people are open to invitations to church around this time of the year than at any other time and with this time in Christmas, uh, more than any other time of the year. And so let's encourage and, and others to come with us and invite them to come and meet them and, and welcome them here uh, when they arrive. I know you have many other concerns this morning. Uh, we have uh, just this week and, and this is the morning talking to families here at the church. There's a lot going on in people's lives. We have several that aren't here this morning who are just taking care of things related to family and career, things that are, uh, that are important priorities. And we, sir, we certainly remember them. But I know you are here with something on your mind this morning as well, if you're like many of the others. And so let's, as I begin a moment of prayer, I'll give you a time to pray and lift up the Lord, the things that are on your mind, and then I will continue to lead us in our morning prayer. Let's pray together. Good and gracious God, we are aware of the time in which we live, of this time of the the season of the year. As we look around, we see flowers budding uh, or blooming and trees budding and Uh, new life happening all around us. And Father, we are aware that as your people, that Lord, uh, there is something in us that desires to spring forth. Uh, And Lord, uh, as a result of your life and your death and your resurrection, uh, we as your people have new life within us. And Father, may that new life be evident as we go about our lives uh, during this time of the year, as we Uh, deal with family and career and decisions that must be made. Father, may we feel that presence and that new life living in us, and may it lead us as we make the decisions that we make each day. Father, we are uh, grateful for this opportunity to be together this morning. Lord, we do lift up these, uh, such as Georgia Klein and the Blackburns, the Little family, um, the others, Lord, who we know who are struggling ongoing with um, issues or treatments. Father, we pray for them. But not only do we lift up those who are sick, but Father, we lift up our community today. And Father, we recognize that many are struggling, whether it may be a per- very personal concern within a home, with a, with a spouse or with a child. Lord, we do pray uh, for them at this hour as well. We pray for many in our community, Lord, who have not entered into a relationship with you. We pray that over these next several weeks as we move towards Easter, that Lord, they would be open to not only come to church, but Lord, they would be open to allow you to do something new in them as well. Lord, we um, are grateful for our community, for our country. We ask for your blessings on each of them, Lord. We, so many important decisions are faced uh, with leaders today, and we pray you would guide them in, in all things and grant them the wisdom and the knowledge that they need. Father, we pray that when we leave this place today, we'll say it's good to have been in your house. Challenge us, Lord, as we continue to read your word, as, as we look to this parable that many in the room are familiar with. But, Father, give us um, some new insights and remind us, Father, that 
You have compelled us just as you compelled that father to, to be forgiving to both of his sons. Lord, you call us to be forgiving to those around us who have wronged us, who have hurt us. And Father, give us the ability to do that. Help our lives to more reflect the Father in the story that we will read this morning. God, we love you. Forgive us for our sins. And Lord, if there are any in this place uh, that needs need to, to begin a new life or, or renew their walk with you today, I pray that the t- today would be the day that, Lord, that they would uh, make that commitment. Father, we love you. We commit this time to you now as we continue in worship with a hymn that is uh, especially meaningful to me. Lord, we're thankful for your faithfulness. Your faithfulness, Lord, when we are unfaithful. Father, truly great is your faithfulness. In Jesus' name, amen. Our hymn is number 48, Great is Thy Faithfulness, number 48. If you are able, please stand and join in singing.
us pray. This morning, Lord, we thank you. We thank you for so many gifts, dear Lord, the gift of life itself. But most of all, dear Lord, we thank you for your son. And we thank you that you love us so very much. And Lord, as we have sung about your faithfulness, we thank you that we know you are faithful. But Father, we know that you call us to be faithful too. And that is how we can respond best to your love for us. So Father, increase our faithfulness, increase our joy in giving and in serving. And now, dear Lord, bless these gifts and help us as individuals and as a church to be faithful in serving thee. In Jesus' name, amen.
Thank you, choir. The parable we're about to read, by the way, go ahead and turn to Luke chapter 15. And uh, the parable we're about to read, uh, many of you have heard and know very well, but not all of you. Uh, it may be that some here this morning have not, uh, fam- or not familiar with the, this parable. But it's, it's tempting for me as a pastor to do, uh, to do something different with it. It's, tempted, it's a temptation for me to, be, to do something creative. Uh, many pastors have preached this parable from the story of the father. Some have preached it from the perspective, the point of view of the older son who stayed at home. And then some have preached it from the perspective of the prodigal, the younger son who went away and who squandered everything on loose living. I'm waiting for somebody to preach it from the perspective of the fatted calf or the pig, but I haven't heard anybody do that yet. So the temptation is great for me to do something different with it. But what I've thought about and prayed about this week as I've focused on this, on this wonderful, magnificent story is it's a little bit like grandma's favorite recipe. You, don't, you shouldn't mess with it too much. Uh, there's a central basic gospel message here that doesn't need to be go off over here on the left or the right, but there's a simple basic message here. And I think it's one that we need to hear from time to time. I do recall uh, sharing about this parable last year. And so whenever there's, whenever I feel led to to preach on it again, again, there's this strong temptation to do something creative with it. So don't fear. I have, uh, we're sticking to the text as it is. And we're looking at the basic gospel message that's here. So if your eyes have never been opened to this wonderful parable. I hope it will be today. And I do hope for those of you that have heard it time and time again, that there is something that you're reminded of and something that you were challenged of as we focus on this passage today. I want us to begin by looking at the first three verses and I'm going to pause for a few comments and then we're going to move into the the story itself. But it's, it's, it's important that we hear and understand the setting, the environment in which Jesus spoke this parable and the other two that are before it, before we dive right into it. And so if you have your Bibles or it's on the screen, I am reading from a translation that could be slightly different than what's on the screen. But the first three verses, Luke 15. Now all the tax collectors and the sinners were coming near him to listen to him. Both the Pharisees and the scribes began grumbling, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. And so he told them a parable. And we're going to get there in just a moment. But let's let's look at these first two verses here. All the tax collectors and the sinners were coming near to him to listen to him. Back in Luke chapter 5, a few chapters earlier, uh, he called Levi, a renowned, a known tax collector. He called Levi to come and follow him. And in the very next verse, later in Luke chapter 5 there, where it says he followed him, the very next verse says, Jesus found himself, or Jesus was at a reception that Levi was hosting for Jesus. And so Jesus was in an environment full of tax collectors. And the tax collectors of this day, we could substitute all kinds of things today, the, the, uh, the town scandal or the, uh, you know, the prostitute or the whoever, but that's how this, the tax collectors were viewed. They were viewed as cheats, as cheaters. Nobody trusted the tax collector. And so Jesus is finding himself surrounded by when he called Levi and Levi hosted this reception for him. And then he, of course, got criticism for that. They're saying, Jesus, who are you that, that you eat with tax collectors and sinners? And then he reminded them in Luke 5, I have not come uh, for the healthy, but I've come for the sick. And then he says, I've not come to call the righteous to repentance, but I've come to call the sinner to repentance. And so it's in this environment, Jesus says, all the tax collectors and sinners were coming near to him to listen to him. 
And both the Pharisees and the scribes began to grumble, saying, this man receives sinner and eats with them. If you ate with someone in the first century, it was this idea that you agreed with them, that you supported them, that you were like-minded with them. And so for Jesus to eat with tax collectors, this was a really big deal. And so they were trying to call him out on it. And the lesson before we even get into the parable itself this morning, or a lesson from this passage right here, is a question that's incredibly challenging for you and I. Um, sinners in the first century here with Jesus, sinners were attracted to Jesus. They came near to him. They sought him out. And the question this morning is, why do sinners not long to be near Christians today? Why don't those who know they're living in sin run to the pastor? Some do at times. Why don't they run to the spiritual leaders in our church? Uh, there was something about Jesus. And that something is exemplified in the story, in this parable that we're going to read this morning. We find first the parable of the lost sheep, we find the lost coin, and then we find the lost son. And each of these three lost things, or in the last one's a person in Luke 15, we see the same outline of the story. Something is lost, something is found, and then there is a party. There is great rejoicing over what has been found. And so now, this is a longer text than what we normally read, but uh, whether you want to close your eyes and listen to the story, listen to the narrative, or if you want to follow it word for word, it's up to you. But let the story speak to you as we read it this morning. Beginning in verse 11, he said, A man had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of the estate that falls to me. So he divided his wealth between them. And not many days later... The younger son gathered everything together and went on a journey into a distant country, and there he squandered his estate with loose living. Now when he had spent everything, a severe famine occurred in that country, and he began to be impoverished. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country, and he sent him into his fields to feed swine. Now he would have gladly filled his stomach with the pods that the swine were eating, and no one was giving, him anything, was giving anything to him. But when he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired men have more than enough bread, but I am dying here with hunger. I will get up and go to my father and I will say to him, father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me as one of your hired men. So he got up and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion for him and ran and embraced him and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his slaves, Quickly, bring out the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet. And bring the fatted calf and kill it. Let us eat and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and has come to life again. He was lost and has been found. And they began to celebrate. And now his older son was in the field. And when he came and approached that house, he heard music and dancing. And he summoned one of the servants and began inquiring what these things could be. And he said to him, your brother has come and your father has killed the fatted calf because he has received him back safe and sound. But he became angry and was not willing to go in. And his father came out and began pleading with him. But he answered and said to his father, look, for so many years I have been serving you and I have never neglected one of your commands. And yet you have never given me a young goat so that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours came, who has devoured your wealth with prostitutes, you killed the fatted calf for him? He said to him, son, you have always been with me and all that is mine is yours. But we had to celebrate and rejoice for this brother of yours was dead and has begun to live 
and was lost and has been found. May God add his blessing to the reading and preaching of his word this morning. If you were here for the first time in some time, and um, we have been in a sermon series called God on the Move, and uh, God is moving in the form of Jesus towards the city of Jerusalem and towards the cross, and ultimately on Easter Sunday towards the Easter tomb. But not only has he been moving physically, as he's been teaching and sharing these stories and these parables, but he's also been moving among human hearts. And not only in the hearts of those within the first century, but he's certainly been moving in mine, and I know some of yours, many of yours as well, as we journey towards Easter Sunday. Last week, we took a closer look at a story of Jesus and this story and challenged us to look more so within our own lives. It's easy for us to look in, around at the lives of those within our family and our close friends and decide kind of where they need to, to get things right, but it was a pretty starch reminder for us, for you and I, that we need to look first within ourselves and to see what, before we lead others towards or challenge others to repent or to turn from sin, we must first look within our own hearts and our own lives as well and see what we need to repent of. And so we have that story here once again today in a different way when the form of a father who shows lavish, gracious love towards a son who has showed a great deal of rebellion, something that was very difficult, I'm sure, for this father to do. As I was preparing for this message this week, I came across a story of someone who had won a million dollars in a lottery, but this person had continued to use a uh, stolen credit card that they had even after they had won the million dollars. And so you're asking, why in the world would they risk their future and getting locked up or getting whatever came down on them for this when they had a million dollars, why would they use a stolen credit card? And I thought about the story that we're looking at here this morning. It's some of us, if, if we're that father or we're the, we're the close friend of that family, you, we kind of want to grab that son by, the, by his robe and just say, what are you doing? Why are you doing this? It's kind of like that loving, tough love that somebody who's only close, to, only someone who's close to them could do. Um, but it's kind of like we want to grab them and say, what are you doing? Why are you, why are you wasting everything and inheritance and everything that's set for you to go off and do this? Or maybe when they come back, that's what we want to do. Why did you do this? You had everything. Your life was set. Why would you go off and with such risky behavior? Why does he take his father's money and run? But before we're too quick to pass judgment on this prodigal son, a better question is why do any of us turn from the goodness of God? For those of you who have lived as long as I have and many older in the room, uh, you know that this is true of us. We may not have taken the course, although some may have, of what this prodigal took. But how many times have you and I turned from the goodness of God and said, nah, I know better, or, or I think I, I want to go this path, when God is saying all along, if you follow this path, I'm going to bless you, and I'm going to grant you with, you know, with peace and with happiness and with these things. But many times the way to the world uh, does its own thing with us and, and we tend to go another. The character, the character with the most action in this story is obviously the prodigal son. He's the one moving, he's the one making decisions and hurting his father and going and doing and this. But the most compelling character in the story is obviously the father. Rebellious sons are a dime a dozen, but it's the father's love that surprises us in the story. The hurt he caused his dad, rejecting his identity, basically telling his father, I wish you were dead. You know, the term, you're dead to me, is something that 
it's something that we shouldn't say, but it's something that sometimes youth or, or young adults would say to someone else because of something they've done. And hopefully it's always in a joking form, but it's really words that we shouldn't say, but you know, you're dead to me. And in a sense, this son was saying that to his father, but he wasn't joking. And uh, when he says, give me now my share of the inheritance, incredibly hurtful words. And one of the things that I want to point out, I didn't stop when I was reading, although I was tempted to do so. It said um, in verse 13 of chapter 15, not many days later, the younger son gathered everything together and then went on his journey. So he said what he said to his dad and only days later did he leave. So what if, if, if a family member says something incredibly hurtful to you and yet you see them the next morning and the next night and the next morning for a few days before he leaves. Wonder what those conversations were like. Did they have conversations? Did they even talk to each other? Or did the, did the father plead with him with each waking hour, please don't leave, please don't do this. But yet he gave him the money. And I wonder when it says a few days later he left, what took place during those, during those days? But nevertheless, we know what the story, how the story goes. The son goes down the road, but the father stays put, watching his son disappear and hoping and longing for a day when his son would come back up the road and things would be different. The story, this uh, parable to me has three lessons of which that I uh, want to share with you this morning. Three lessons from today's passage. The first one is repentance is always possible for those who want to return to God. Repentance is always possible for those who want to return to God. My favorite passage, this favorite part of the story is in verses 20 through 24. It says, so he got up, meaning the father and came, or excuse me, the son. He got up and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion, felt deep love for him. And he ran and embraced him and kissed him. This was something that in the first century, you might have heard other pastors or me say this before, this was not a common thing for a man to do. It was not all that uncommon for a child or a youth to run, but for a grown man to run in this day and this age was something they simply did not do. And so he picked up, I imagine, his robe and began to run down the road when he saw his son. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to him, Slaves, quickly bring out the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet. Bring the fatted calf and kill it. Let us eat and celebrate. For the son of mine was dead and has come to life again. He was lost and has been found. And they began to celebrate. I'm reminded of a verse in Psalms that I put here in my text in my Bible this week. Psalm 103.10, I believe it is. And it says, he has not dealt with us according to our sins. This father did not show, immediately show any judgment, show any, he, he welcomed his son home and not only did he welcome his home, he ran to him and hugged him and kissed him. And before the son could even bow at his feet and plead forgiveness, the father grabbed him and did not even allow him to go down. Throughout human history, there's, there's always been prodigals. Some of you in the room may have fit that description at some point in your life. And with the crowd this size, there may be some this morning that could fit that description today. You may have a prodigal in your family, a story that's all too familiar for many of us here. We probably all know someone who God is wooing, who God is calling, and we continue to pray for them. And I want to encourage you to continue to do that, continue to, to show them uh, God's love. Someone who needs to be reminded that the door is always open and that forgiveness is always possible. For those who change and those who repent, 
God stands ready to hug and to welcome and to forgive just like this father of the prodigal ran down the road despite the sins, despite the uh, rebellion of this son and welcomed him back home. Uh, In a few more minutes near the end of our time this morning, we're going to sing a hymn called Softly and Tenderly, Jesus is Calling. And in the chorus of that hymn, it says, Jesus is calling, calling, calling me home. I don't know why it is for you and I, but a lot of times we think we know better than what we know to be right and wrong, and we we go our own path. Our path may not have been as rebellious as this prodigal son, but yet in subtle ways, we've turned and we've gone our own path. Jesus is calling us home, and Jesus reminds us through this story that repentance is always possible for those who return to him. And now there's a second character, a second son in the story, and a second lesson. And that second lesson is God's people ought not to begrudge his generosity even for the most wayward of sinners. God's people ought not to begrudge his generosity for even the most wayward of sinners. If all Jesus wanted to teach us was the message of repentance, he would have stopped where I just stopped in my last reading at verse 24, and that would have been the end of the story. But there was another lesson here that Jesus wanted to teach those who were accusing him of dining with the tax collectors. It was a, something, it was a sin that I think many of these could identify with. Many of these were Pharisees. Many of these tried to, to abide by the letter of the law, just as this older son had chosen to abide by the letter of the law of his father. But now again, we have a second son. And we have a second point. Instead of rejoicing at the return of the prodigal like the father, the older son complains. He gets angry. He refuses to go in and he whines about how he was the one who had slaved all his life and has never been rewarded with a lavish party. The older son distances himself from the younger brother, speaking of him to his father as this son of yours and didn't even call him my brother. But he says, this son of yours has gone and wasted everything and yet you throw him a party? Where was the joy in seeing his brother return? Where was the empathy? Where was the mercy and where was the grace? He resembles what you and I again think of today as the Pharisee, one who followed the rules, but one where, there, one where love was absent. And we need to ask ourselves the question, how much of this hard-hearted attitude could we relate with? Do we begrudge God's mercy and generosity when people who have hurt us respond to his forgiveness? Do we want to continue to withhold forgiveness, grace, and mercy because we really don't think they should be let off the hook too easy for what they've done? I can't imagine anything more hurtful than what happened here in this story and what this younger son did to the older father. And I think a lot of us can relate, certainly, with what these sentiments and these feelings of this older brother. I have been faithful to my father. I have not done one thing that you have not asked I've done everything that you've asked me to do. And now you do this for my younger brother or for this son of yours, excuse me, his words. And you throw this party. This story could be called, in my opinion, the parable of the prodigal sons and not son. The most important character in the story, however, is neither son. Although most of us sometime or another could identify with one or both of the sons. We should be focusing on identifying with and modeling the love of the father for both sons. And the third lesson of the parable this morning, God in his lavish loves forgives the sins of both sons and wants us to do the same. God in his lavish love forgives the sins of both sons and asks us to do the same. 
The younger and older son both deserve to be rebuked. The younger son for his overt rebellious behavior, yeah, the younger son and the older son for his covert, subtle, but equally deadly sins of pride, prejudice, and backbiting. This parable remains open-ended. We don't know if the younger son ever rebelled again, if he, wow, I've learned my lesson, my dad has showed me great love. We don't know. And we don't know if the older son said, wow, dad, I've been guilty of pride and prejudice and backbiting and I see the error of my ways. We don't know. But what we do know is we do know how the father responded. Neither of these questions matter to us. What does matter is how we respond when we put ourselves in the story of the prodigal son. Whether the prodigal, whether the younger son, or whether the older brother, we can't help but, as I joked earlier, as, before, as the, beginning, the sermon was beginning, we, we've heard this preached from different points of view. But I think as we, obviously, as, as why pastors do that, as we read it, we somehow begin to relate with one of the characters in the story. And at different times in our lives, we may relate with different characters in the story. But nevertheless, we're always compelled, we're always challenged by the great, incredible love, the unconditional love of the Father towards both of his children. And the question that we can ask ourselves as we look to the story of these two sons is, are there areas in my life that I need to repent of? Are there, am I identifying a little bit more with the prodigal? Or am I identifying a little bit more with the pharisaical older son who is, I've, everything's, everything's okay in my life and I'm doing everything that everybody's asking of me, but yet he struggled with pride and he struggled with prejudice. God is always calling us closer to him. He's always calling us to walk in closer fellowship to him. And he's always calling us to repent of sin. God is always wooing us. He's always calling us. He's always sitting on the front porch when we have strayed and we have went away and we've gone our own path and he's always there waiting for us to come back up the road. And when we do, he is always willing to come back down the road to greet us and to welcome us home. For those ready to repent, God stands ready to run down the road this morning to you. In conclusion, there's a verse in James, I think it's chapter 4, verse 8. It says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. And I can't help but think of that younger son, the prodigal. He might word that a little bit differently than James did. He might say, draw near to God and he will run to you. Has there been a time that you have drawn near to God and that you've put your faith and trust in him for salvation? And if there has, are you continuing to draw near to him because he is ready and he is waiting to run to you and to welcome you home? Congregation this size, we all come from different places, not only with our long history, but even just our short history of what all took place in our lives this week. I have no idea and can't imagine all the different things that are going on in the minds of all of us in this congregation right now about just life in general and where we are. But I challenge you as your pastor to think about where you are in your relationship with the Lord. And as we move closer to Easter Sunday, as we think about the parable that we've read and, and, and focused on this morning, Jesus spoke this parable again to an audience that was criticizing him of eating and dining and spending time 
with sinners and with the tax collectors? Are you and I as the church of Jesus Christ taking opportunities to get to know people who are very different from us? Some of which could identify as the prodigal, but others who look and act like they have it all together, but yet need to do some um, spiritual inventory in their own lives. And that may be you this morning. But I ask you, first of all, if you've never put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, I'd love more than anything to talk with you today about how your eternity can be secure and how you can know and follow and walk with Jesus Christ. If you've done that recently or some years ago, but yet know that you're in need of renewal, that you're kind of going through the motions in your spiritual walk, I hope that the lavish and gracious love of this father to these two sons will challenge you to renew that commitment in your own life because he stands ready and welcome, ready to welcome you home, to run down the road and to embrace you. As we think about those of you this morning that uh, maybe aren't members here as well of Bowling Springs Baptist Church, um, if this feels like it could be home for you, I invite you to come and let's talk about church membership this morning as well. Will you pray with me? God, I thank you for this church and I thank you for this community. Lord, I thank you for your word that when we read it, it challenges us. And Lord, I pray today that this lavish and gracious love of this Father would lift us all if we find ourselves maybe in dealing with complacency, dealing with apathy, that Lord, your gracious and almighty and unconditional love would move us. It would move us to reach out in, in loving ways to family, to spouse, to children, to those who may be difficult to love and those who may, we, we, we say we've extended love, we've extended love and the response has just not been there. They haven't turned back to, to follow the ways of the Lord. Lord, help us to be faithful as we sang that song earlier, great is thy faithfulness. Lord, help us to be faithful in praying for them and showing them your love. Challenge us, Lord, through this story today. Father, we um, commit this time to you now. Speak to us as we sing in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to stand and sing an, an old favorite, softly and tender. Jesus is calling, calling us home. The altar is open. Let's let the Spirit lead, stand and sing together.
Let me just say a couple things real quick. One is if you are going on the Guatemala trip, I would love to meet with you just for five minutes or less on the Oregon side over here immediately following the service. If there may be one or two in here, because things change up till that final time when we have to finalize everything, if there are one or two of you in here who have thought about going on that trip or have any interest at all in learning more about it with, with that possibility of going, please come to the meeting as well. Uh, but I have something I just need to communicate to all those that are um, either going or very interested in going. And uh, let's see, tonight at five, uh, Peter. And what else do we need to say? The choir, you, we need to take everything off the platform, right? So if you're able to help, we talk about doing missions in Guatemala. We have an opportunity, opportunity for you in about 30 seconds to help with a local mission opportunity to take uh, stuff off the stage up here. So if you can help with that, I know they would be grateful. Is there anything else that we need to, to say or remind people of before we leave? Come next Sunday, right, choir? Candy? Uh, be a great cantata, so uh, invite someone to join you. Let's close now with a word of prayer. God, we thank you that you run down the road for your prodigal children. Lord, help us to see you and visualize that this morning, you running down the road for us as well when we've missed the mark. We thank you, God, for your gracious love. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.